What's up, y'all? What's up? What's up? What's up? This your girl Shantae, host of the Black Podcast Show. Now, this is something very, very special. I'm so happy that you was able to tune in. And you know what? Consider yourself lucky. You are going to get four podcasts and one show today. Now, where else are you going to go to get a black podcast and get four shows and one? Nowhere else but right here at the Black Podcast Show, hosted by Shantae. This is the only black podcast online hosted by me. Now, what you're getting is a motivational podcast, a true crime podcast, a listener advice podcast, and finally, a current events slash review slash random opinion podcast, all hosted by me. Now, goodness gracious, how did you get so lucky? I don't know. But I consider myself lucky, too, to have you as a listener. If you're listening to this, please do me the kind gesture of sharing this with a friend, sharing it to your social medias. If you want to, go ahead and follow me on social media. My Facebook is Shantae Yarbrough. That's Shantae with a C, C-H-A-N-T-E. Follow me for, you know, funny memes, current events, updates, questions, opinions, all that. Just follow my page. DM me, inbox me, hit me up whenever. I need engagement. I'm trying to talk to y'all. I want to know what you think about the Black Podcast Show. <clears throat> All right, so I'm going to jump right into it. Today's motivation, today's episode is called The Show Must Go On. Now, I know you're wondering, what's motivational about that? What's motivational about The Show Must Go On? But what you, what you got to realize is I encounter so many people, and I probably used to be a person where Soon as one little thing happens, soon as something go wrong and your perfect plan that you created in your mind, you're ready to nix the whole operation. And we got to get out of that mindset. We, as a people, y'all know who I'm talking to, and then just as a whole, anybody that has that type of mindset got to get out of that. You cannot go in life thinking that nothing's going to go wrong. You know, when you have problems, you can't be thinking, why me? You have to ask yourself, why not me? Because you got to understand, if somebody else was in your shoes, they'd probably fold. They'd probably commit suicide. They'd probably hurt themselves. They'd probably hurt somebody else. They'd probably go crazy. You can handle it. So why not you? You can handle it. Not only can you handle it, you can make the best of it. So why not you? That's what you got to understand. When a problem occurs, when obstacles occur, when adversity approaches you, the show must go on. <clears throat> you know, the thing is this. You got to think about it like this. If you was on your way to work and you ran into unexpected traffic, not the usual morning traffic, not the usual 7 o'clock in the morning traffic, you encounter traffic that's going to set you back 20 minutes. Now, you only timed for an extra five, six minutes, you know, when you got to work. So now you're going to be 20 minutes late. Do you just say, fuck the whole job? No. Nah. The show must go on because guess what? You still got to get that paycheck. You got to call your boss and let them know, look, boss lady, boss man, I'm going to be late. I'm sorry. I'm in traffic. Look, look, type the news.com. Go to the news and you'll see. I'm 20 minutes late. Whatever the case is, whether you get into an accident, whether you get a flat tire, whether you got to go pick your kid up because they just threw up, you got to figure something out and make sure you get to work. Because guess what? Otherwise, you ain't getting no check. And if you don't get that check, you're going to have much bigger fish to fry. 
So you got to realize that when you're trying to do bigger things as well. So what I'm talking about is a lot of times when we're trying to do things that are bigger than our everyday activity, we tend to get discouraged. So, I mean, going to work, that's easy. You know, we program to do that. That's, that's habitual. We go to work every day. Dealing with your kids, that's easy. Dealing with your family, that's easy, whatever. But when you decide, you know, oh, I want to become a business owner, things get hard. You know what I'm saying? When you decide, oh, I want to be a motivational speaker, things start getting hard. You start incurring obstacles that you never thought you would incur. You thought telling people that you decided you was going to be an entrepreneur would be a good thing. You thought the support was just going to rain in. <laughs> you thought everybody was going to be ready to throw you some money just because you trying to step out the rat race. But guess what? They not. Guess what? Your best friend jealous. Now what? Now you ready to stop the whole business. Now you ready to, now you done peeped out your best friend who you thought was going to be your biggest supporter is jealous. Now you ready to say, you know what? I should, maybe I shouldn't even start a business. Maybe I shouldn't even quit my job and, and become my own boss because my best friend, we, we never had these issues before. She always had my back. He always, you know, had my back. We always did everything together. That was my, my road dog, the one I could call on. Now I'm starting to see that I'm making money and you're jealous. Now maybe I shouldn't even, nah. You got to get rid of that person. You know what I'm saying? The show must go on. Your show has to go on. You, you, you know, you, you want to open up a beauty salon. And the people who you think should be coming to you to get their hair done ain't even coming to you to get their hair done. The show must go on. That don't mean you don't know how to do hair. Maybe I do mean that. But you got to ask yourself if that what that mean. No. Your friends and family not going to be your biggest supporters. They might be, and if they are, consider yourself lucky. Consider yourself fortunate. Take that as a blessing and make sure you use that as a resource. But if they're not, that doesn't mean that your purpose still isn't your purpose. If your purpose is to be, like I said, a motivational speaker, your friends and family might not see the value in that. You might say, you might listen to Les Brown and say, oh, I want to do that. I wish I could do that. That's what you might say. <coughs> That's what a lot of people say. Oh, I wish I could do that. You can do that. But your friends and family might say, you want to do what? You ain't going to make no money doing that. Who told you you could? That's what they're going to say. Who told you you could? You know, you might want to be a comedian. Who told you you was funny? That's what haters say. When they say stuff like that, it's up to you to prove them wrong at that point. So you keep that in mind that the show must go on. When you decide what your purpose is, when you come to the realization, whether you get a sign or whether you just decide, you determine your purpose and your destiny, not your family, not your friends. So if somebody becomes an obstacle, if somebody's hating on you, that don't mean don't do it. That means you get past it. And let's say you do got the support of your family and friends. You know, you might still have some other obstacles. If you're trying to be a business owner, you may have obstacles in getting a loan. <clears throat> you may have obstacles with marketing. You may have obstacles with your launch date. You might want to be a realtor. You might have obstacles with sales. You might not be good at sales. You might not understand the business aspect of it. You know, you may not be able to afford real estate classes. <clears throat> so, but those are obstacles that you have to 
overcome. Excuse me. You, we have to, and I actually, uh, <clears throat> let me say this. I read a book a while ago called The Seven Laws of Highly Successful People, something like that. Habits, that's what it's called. The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People by Stephen Covey. And in that book, he said that one of the, the most important things that I got out of it was that successful people have a solution-based mindset. What I mean by that is successful people aren't sitting up there when something happens and saying, damn, you know, such and such happened, it's over. Close the whole business down. No, first thing they think of is how can I fix this? When somebody tell them that they can't do something, first thing they think of is how can I do this? So for instance, if I came to you and said, hey look, they, they got franchises for, for, for five thousand dollars they got chick-fil-a franchises for five thousand dollars come on go go, go get 2500 let's go buy us one if the first thing you say is i can't do that i don't have the money that's the problem that's part of your problem right there i guarantee it is the if it's not even saying oh i don't want to because i'm not interested that's different you're always free to say that. You should absolutely say that if that's the case. But when your mind goes to, I can't do this because X, Y, and Z, that's a problem. Your mind should go to, how can I do this? So think about that. Go from why or go from I can't because to how can I? Stop thinking why I can't and think of how I can. Okay, how can I get $2,500? You can ask that question. You can even say, where am I going to get $2,500 from? You can ask that question because even with you just asking that question, your mind is going to start formulating ideas. It's not, I can't do it because I don't have the money. No, it's, I don't have the money right now. How can I get it? When you got a purpose, you got to, it's not going to be easy. The easy part is saying, you know what, let me, let me, let me, make it even simpler let me just keep it real for a second <clears throat> it for, for me to not even have a co-host right now for me to do this show without a co-host was not the plan but the show must go on literally i still have to do this show because i think it's things that i need to tell the world i feel like i have a voice that people need to hear and even just now this whole segment I just had to re-record because it didn't get recorded. The show must go on. I could have said, well, you know what? Don't even worry about that one because I got to go. That would have been easy. The hard part is me sit up here and say everything I said again. But it needs to be said. That's why it didn't get recorded. You know what I'm saying? The show must go on. Somebody needed to hear this. Somebody is going through something. Somebody just had something fucked up happen. And they might be pissed off right now, and they ready to just say, fuck everything. But no, you can't say fuck everything because the show must go on. You ain't going to always feel this way. You ain't going to always be mad. You ain't going to always be sad. You're going to get over it. And if you say fuck everything, then tomorrow, next week, next month, when your emotions is back stable, guess what? Now you got to start from scratch. You know, I've been wanting to do this podcast for a long time. But for one reason or another... I never did. And the reasons 
never amounted to anything substantial. I can't tell you what reason it is. Sometimes it was, oh, I don't have a co-host. Oh, X, Y, Z happened. Oh, they couldn't make it. And this is not nothing negative towards anybody. It's just saying the show must go on. You know, everybody got their own life. But this show is my voice. It's something I need to tell somebody. You know, let me just say this. I'm not a religious person. Let me take a sip of this water real quick. I'm not a religious person. I do know the Bible well. I grew up in a Christian household, but I'm not religious any longer. I'm a spiritual person. But there is a lot that can be learned from religion, you know, or the Bible. So anyways, a pastor once told me, somebody's destiny is attached to your purpose. And I'll never forget that. The basis of that statement is that there's somebody do what they need to do until you do what you need to do. So that thing that you're supposed to do, you need to do it because you're blocking somebody else's blessings. How dare you? You know, show must you can't stop doing what you got to do just because something went wrong. Somebody's dependent on you. Don't you get that? You know, some of us aren't able to just do things when it's just us that need to do it. It's hard to just, you know, go out and do whatever it is that you need to do when you know that maybe you can make up for it or you know that nobody will be affected by it or it's just something I want to do. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, but only if you knew. Only if you knew that you need to open up that salon because it's somebody that needs to be hired by you. It's somebody that's out there doing hair and they can't quite get off their feet because they need to be up under your tutelage. They need your mentorship and you don't even know it because you won't go ahead and do what you need to do. You know what I'm saying? It may be somebody needs to hear this podcast and just need to hear me saying what I'm saying right now. But because, oh, something happened, I can't make it today. You know, no, nah, the show must go on. You know, it just because just because the original building you had for your salon didn't work out, that don't mean don't do it. That means find another building. Just because you didn't get a loan at this bank, that don't mean don't do it. That means go to another bank. It don't matter if you got to go to 100 plus banks. Be thankful that there's 100 plus banks for you to go to. And that one of them might say yes. It don't, it's just like with sales. It don't matter if you done talk to 100 people about your product. You got to talk to 100 more if nobody buy nothing. And even if they did buy something, guess what? You still got to talk to 100 more to keep getting money. The show must go on. So that's something I'm realizing. Even with me just saying it right now, it feels so powerful because it's so true. Like, just because something goes wrong, you must not stop. Just because you go across a speed bump, just because you encounter adversity, just because somebody try to stop you from doing what you're doing, the show must go on. You got to get past all that if you want to reach your goal, that is. If you if you really about what you say you're talking about, you know what I'm saying? That's the same thing for me, too. You know, I started to leave today, you know, due to some circumstances, 
that I wasn't gonna be able to record. But no, nah, the show must go on. You know, I just want to emphasize that just because you got to understand if you're hearing this right now, the show went on. So, and it's going to be another show and another show and another show. And yours is too. Just because things go wrong, you, the first thing your brain needs to think, oh shit, something went wrong, how to fix. How to fix. Don't sit up there and start arguing with folks. Don't sit up there and start berating folks. Don't sit up there and start berating yourself. Don't sit up there and start getting down on yourself talking about, oh, I shouldn't have. Dang, I'm so stupid. I should have. Dang, my dumb ass. No, 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 no. How to fix it. Go into instant recovery mode. You dig what I'm saying? Don't, don't, don't start doing all that other stuff. Don't get to being sad. Don't get to, you know, feeling pity. Don't get to feeling sorry for yourself. Oh, man, this always happened to me. I shouldn't even try to. No, 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 no. We ain't got time for none of that. Because guess what? That time you spending doing that, throwing that little pity party, it's time you could be spending fixing the problem. You could reverse the shit so quick if you just use that brain to think instead of using it to come up with negative shit to, to, to sit up and, and fester around. You dig what I'm saying? So just keep that in mind. The show must go on. If As soon as you encounter a problem, put yourself in recovery mode, solution mode. Solution-based. Have a solution-based mindset. Just keep that term in your mind. The show must go on. You must have a solution-based mindset. If you go to the circus, if you buy your kids and your whole family tickets to the circus, and y'all get dressed up that morning, y'all just went and spent money, y'all done went and got the souvenirs for you that came in, the little lights and cotton candy and the popcorn, and y'all getting y'all seats, and next thing you know, they come out there and say, you know what, uh, y'all, one of our elephants is sick. So with that being said, we got to cancel the whole show. You know what, uh, two, of our, two, two of our hosts, our MC and, and, our, and, and one of the dancers had an a, a argument and they're not going to come out, so we got to cancel the show. You know, you know what, the lights, something's going on with the lights, we got to, no, you don't want to hear none of that. The show will go on. I promise you, you don't have no clue what happens behind the scenes. The show must go on. Your show must go on as well. I know you're sitting up there thinking, why is she talking about circuses? Shantae, what the hell are you talking about? Ty, make it make sense. It does make sense. Like I said, your show has to go on. Just like that circus, Barnum and Bailey been going on for about 100 years now. Your show can go on just like that. It's chaos behind that curtain. Keep that in mind. It's the person that you're looking at that you think has the perfect life that you're sitting up on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat looking at, their life is nowhere near perfect. They just make it look good. It's chaos behind the scenes, but their show goes on. You know, what, while you sitting up there thinking, how come they get to, don't worry about that. You sitting up there thinking, oh, they probably doing that, but I bet you they don't worry about that. Oh, he always got fresh shoes, but where do he live? Do he stay with his girl or his mom? Don't worry about that. The show is going on. Is your show going on? So it's so many different aspects of life that that term applies to. The show must go on. Whenever you get distracted, remember that. And that's, to me, as a matter of fact, 
that's going to be your biggest adversity. That's my biggest adversity. I can't speak for nobody else, actually. Let me take a sip of my water real quick. My biggest adversity is distraction. My biggest adversity is myself. But I have to get past that because the show must go on. Whenever you realize that you've been sitting up on Facebook a little bit too long, remember that the show is going on. So that's why the term is the show must go on because it does go on. Even in, in this, you know, trigger warning, death. Even in death, life goes on. The show goes on. Y'all remember that always when the close, <coughs> unfortunately, the closest person to some of us will pass away. And we will continue to live our lives because we have to. You know, uh, it, some of us in dedication to that life don't stop. You do have memories of that person. You have, you know, the pictures of that person. You got all that, thank goodness. But life goes on. So the biggest example that you have that you have to keep in life goes on. You know, a situation can die, and the show must go on. When you break up with somebody, your life don't stop. You know what I'm saying? The show goes on. So just when you encounter a problem, take your emotions out of it, and remember that the show must go on. When you have something that you're trying to do and it don't quite go the way you wanted it to go, remember that the show must go on, and that if you have to revamp your plan you can but you can't stop because guess what when you decide to come back you got to start all over again the show done went on life done went on somebody else that came and slipped right in where you thought you was gonna be and i'm saying all this from a place of experience it's things that i started doing years ago that i stopped doing because just got discouraged Oh, something didn't go right. That went so I just shut down, don't talk to me. Just, just fuck it. And guess what? The show went on. Life went on. People are still doing things. There are people doing things that I wanted to do that I probably could have been doing. And now I'm starting over. But that's okay because the show goes on. So now I'm here. I'm doing something. I'm taking action. I found a solution. The show is going on. And your show will too. It's never too late. You know, it's never, it's it's never a bad time. Cause like I said, the show must go on. The show will go on. The show is going on. So once you realize what you need to do, once you decide what you need to do, once you get assigned what you need to do, start doing it, and stay focused. And remember that the show must go on. And remember that the show will go on. Like I said. And if you need to come back and listen to this, please do. I'm going to be coming back and hitting you with motivation uh, once a week. So just keep that in mind. This is the first black motivational podcast online hosted by me, Shantae. So just keep in mind the show must go on. The show will go on. The show is going on. And you got this. Somebody else will fold in your circumstances. All right, y'all, it's your girl, Shantae. I'm back at it again. Part two. Now, this is the Black True Crime Show. 
Now, this is the only true crime, the only true crime show on the internet hosted by me. Keep that in mind. So, uh, I don't know about y'all, but I love true crime. I love podcasts. Let me just say that as a kind of introduction, let y'all know something about me. I listen to podcasts more than I listen to music. And I'm always listening to something. So, if you see me with my headphones in, now I'm about to say it ain't no rap, ain't no R&B, ain't no jazz. I'm straight up listening to somebody talking about somebody that was unjustly slaughtered, somebody that's missing, some dark shit. Why do I like listening to that? I have no idea, but I do. Um, the first thing I'm going to talk about, the first case I'm going to talk about is the case of Tamla Horsford. Now, if y'all are not hip, this lady, Tamla Horsford, uh, is a black woman. And the thing about Tamla Horsford is she died mysteriously at this sleepover where she was the only black woman. House full of white women, couple white guys, I believe. And yeah, as you can see, if you're, if you're watching this visually, Tamla is the only black woman there. Uh, and our Tamla Horsford was in her 40s. I believe she had five kids. Now let me just say as a quick disclaimer before we get too deep into it, the facts that I have based on these case on these cases are very loose. If you want the true facts, you need to hop on Google. You need to go listen to a true crime podcast. I'm just on here talking. This is a this is the first black true crime podcast hosted by me on the internet, but this is all just stuff that I've listened to that I found interesting. So like I said, for the real deal facts, go listen to a crime junkie. Go listen to Morbid. Go listen to My Favorite Murderer. Those are some of the ones I listen to. I'm sure there are a bunch of more awesome ones out there, um, but that's what I listen to. Anyway, this lady, Tamla Horsford, I believe she had five kids, black woman in her 40s, attended sleepover uh, with several white women uh, who were, I guess, mothers from her kids' soccer team. So she get there, partygoers say everything was normal, they having fun, they taking shots, Tamla's having fun, Tamla's a fun person. She, she kind of the life of the party. You know, Tamla kicking it. She got five kids, so you got to keep in mind, her going out and drinking and having fun, having adult fun is a rare occasion. So, like I said, Tamla done kicked back. She done already took a couple shots before she even got there. As soon as she walked through the door, she already got a back bottle of tequila in her hand. That's facts. That's what the other party goer said. When she hit the door, she had tequila in her hand. As soon as she walked in, she ready to take shots. They already had liquor there, so you already know when soccer moms get away from their kids and get a chance to let loose, they let loose. And that's what Tamla was on. So, about 1 a.m., you know, yeah, they soccer moms, but being that they all moms, they all got kids. They still got stuff to do the next day. So a lot of people started leaving, but some people were actually going to stay and go ahead and spend the night. So Tamala, like I said, she don't really get too many opportunities to kick back like that. She got five kids. Tamala ready to have fun. She ain't ready to go to bed yet. But everybody else going to bed. So Tamala like, you know what? I'm going to go out, have me another cigarette. And I'll meet y'all in there. You know, you already know how, how women in their 40s is with their cigarettes. When they having too much fun, they got to smoke that cigarette and wind down a little bit. So, Tamla go ahead and have her cigarette. She go out on the balcony upstairs. And that's it. 
That's it. That's all we know. Tamala was never seen alive again. That's the problem. What happened from having fun, taking shots, she walk in with tequila, we smoking cigarettes. What happens from that to the next morning, the host's mother goes out in the backyard and sees Tamala face down. Now, she didn't go out and check on her and see and check her pulse or anything. She go grab her son. I, well, I think it was the host mother-in-law. It was either her mom or her mom-in-law. Uh, so basically, she goes and grabs her and the, the, the husband, the host husband, and they go out and they see that Tamala is unfortunately dead. Excuse me. They see that Tamala is dead. And they call the police. And from there, it's a lot of speculation, it's a lot of confusion. The husband at one point in the phone call with the police insinuates that Tamala may have had some kind of mental health, depression issues. Now, mind you, none of this has been mentioned to anybody. Nobody was privy of no mental health issues with Tamala. <clears throat> so, we don't know what happened. They said they just found her. Now, how likely is it that the only black woman in a house full of white people and nobody knows what happened? It's unlikely. During times like this, super unlikely. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Maybe it was totally innocent. You know, maybe all this was just a big mistake. Nobody was ever tried. This was found to be uh, an accidental death. What they're saying is that Tamala was, you know, smoking her cigarette and somehow climbed over the balcony and fell to her untimely death. Yeah. And, of course, they, they checked her system and they put this information out that Tamala had weed and Xanax in her system. <laughs> Don't they do that all the time, though? Isn't that always it? That's crazy. It's crazy how when a black person dies and under mysterious circumstances, they always find a way to publicize the fact that there may be drugs in their system. Now, mind you, weed and Xanax are downers. Xanax is what people take for anxiety, from what I understand. So if Tamla, what does it even matter? What, what's the relevance of her having weed and Xanax in her system? Weed and Xanax are mood stabilizers. They would have made her calm. Tamla wouldn't have had weed and Xanax, been on weed and Xanax and jumped off of a balcony. I don't know what else she was going through. I know that she had five kids to live for. So, I don't see Tamla going to this sleepover where she had the opportunity to finally get some adult time and have some fun away from her children and her family. And then everybody says that she was bragging about her kids and family the whole time. The, one of the things she did while she was there was FaceTime her kids so that she could, you know, sit up there and brag about them like all moms do. I don't, I find it hard to believe that Tamala would have got up there on that balcony and jumped off.
or fell off? Why would she climb over the balcony? So ultimately, it's a lot more to that case. Y'all need to go ahead and look into that. What I'm going to say is that neighborhood, I think it was in New Jersey. Don't quote me on that. One these details are iffy. Uh, but uh, from what I understand, that neighborhood that it occurred in is a very white area. Now, I'm not racist. For one, black people actually don't have the ability to be racist. We don't have that kind of power. But I don't believe all white people are bad. But in highly segregated areas, things like this tend to happen. You probably haven't even heard of this case. You probably never heard the name Tamla Horsley. This tend to get swept under the rug when you're dealing with white people that have money. Now, mind you, Tamla didn't come from meager circumstances herself. She did live in an upper middle class area, and she came from an upper middle class family. But unfortunately, when you're dealing with, you know, certain kind of people that got money, privilege exists. I'm going to just say that. So rest in peace to Tamla. Once again, it's a lot of details on this case that I missed. It's a lot of details that, uh, tr you know, other true, true crime podcasts have gone into depth on. So y'all need to go ahead and listen to that. Um, no disrespect to Tamla's family. None intended at all. I really want people to learn more about this case. And I really want justice to be served. Let me just state that Tamla's Pamela, family and friends do not believe that this was an accidental death. So with that being said, that should tell you a lot. Now the next case I'm going to go ahead and talk about. Now this one you may have seen or heard about. Uh, they actually did go ahead and make a Lifetime movie. I was going to take my glasses off because I think I look cooler without them, but... I forgot I can't see, so won't be doing that. They did a Lifetime movie about this case, though. The Lifetime movie is called Abducted, the Mary Stauffer story. Uh, so once again, just like with Tamla's case, I'm going to say this. I don't have all the details. It's just something I heard about, thought was interesting. This is, once again, the first black true crime podcast, only black true crime podcast on the Internet, hosted by yours truly. Um... I don't have all the details, but I do still want to talk about it. One thing about me, I don't need to have all the details to form an opinion or to tell a story. So what I'm going to go ahead and do is tell you uh, about this. So this guy, Ming Sing Shui, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. I'm going to just call him Ming. Let me just first of all state this is a sick motherfucker, so I ain't even got to pronounce his name right. Uh, if you're watching, you can see Ming right now. Ugly. Ugly guy. Um, but... Let me just say this. People in the 80s was ugly. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know what it was about the 80s that just motherfuckers was ugly. Uh, so, yeah, this guy, Ming, had a crush on his teacher back in high school. Um, and like people did in the 80s, he became extremely obsessed with her. He literally stalked her uh, until she went abroad and, you know, moved out of the country. And I, when I say this guy was obsessed with her, I mean, he knew everything about her. He excelled in her class. He was just, he, he loved her. He was in love with her. Um, but unfortunately, Ming was pretty, kind of an awkward guy. Um, a lot of his family members, so mostly his brother, described him as mean. His brother says that he tortured him. 
growing up. And I know a lot of, you know, siblings had that kind of relationship, but this was a little bit, uh, I would say a step beyond that. They had no relationship uh, outside of living together. They, had, they didn't speak when they were at home, so his brother had a lot of animosity towards him. Excuse me. Y'all, this is my first episode, so I'm doing a lot of talking. You're going to see me drinking a lot of water. I talk a lot, but damn, I don't talk this much. <laughs> anyway, uh, so luckily, Mary Stauffer goes abroad. Her and her husband, her daughter, they, they're missionaries. So they go abroad to spread the good word of Jesus Christ like a, a great person would do. So Mary is like an angel. She's a great person. And she has, unfortunately, come under the gaze of this sick fuck Ming Sin. Uh, so Mary was gone for a few years, and upon her return, Ming basically felt that it was fate. So you know how that goes. You go on a missionary, you go on a mission for a few years, and then you come back home. When he come back, he feel that that was fate, that's their destiny. Psycho shit. And you know what? Life hack. Anytime someone feels like y'all being together is fate, that's a psychopath. That's a sick motherfucker, you need to get away from them. If nobody has ever told you that, I'm telling you here and now. If anybody feel like y'all being together is fate, get away from that motherfucker. Dead serious, that's not fate, that's, that's crazy. Me, Ming, you ruined it. So he resumes his stalking uh, pretty much immediately. Uh, and actually, the way he found out that she was coming back was it was in the newspaper. So, yeah, uh, another life hack. Don't, y'all need to stop putting y'all business. The newspaper was pretty much like the first social media. So, you never know who's stalking you. You never know who might have been watching you and your life and your kids and shit for 10 years. So, be careful what you put on Facebook. That's the moral of this story. And don't put nothing in the newspaper. So, that's just fucking weird. Uh, so, eventually, <coughs> Ming approaches Mary and her daughter in a parking lot after a hair appointment. Now, once again, he has been stalking her, so he knows her every move. So after a hair appointment, he approaches her, uh, you know, typical 80s kidnap style, straight up gun. Actually, this might not even been the 80s. This might have been like 10 years ago. Uh, I don't have, I'm not gonna look anything up or nothing like that, but yeah, this weirdo just approached her with a gun and, and kidnapped her. Now, I'm gonna say this, and I can no disrespect to Mary because she's she's great, and she was a victim. Should have never happened. I don't feel like I would be afraid of someone that approached me with a gun in broad daylight in public. But then again, that's never happened to me, so I can't say what I would do. I probably shit on myself, honestly, if somebody just put a gun in my face in broad daylight. I probably would do what they told me to do, but I don't think. I'm gonna say that's another life hack. If somebody approached you in broad daylight in front of people with a gun and they trying to force you to hurry up and get inside of a car or some shit, they probably not gonna shoot you. They trying to force you to hurry up and do something. So that's not the point. Let me just get back to the story. But yeah, this, this guy was sick as hell. And I mean, she was with her daughter. So once again, no disrespect to Mary. He just, this guy approached her with a gun, kidnapped her and her daughter, drove to this park where he had parked his actual car and transferred them to the trunk. So some little dudes was on their bike playing at the park, as they should have been, and they rightfully wanted to know what the fuck he was doing. 
So one of the boys approached Ming, and Ming freaks out, makes the boy get in the trunk. So uh, Mary, being the angel that she was, trying to comfort the young man the whole time, letting him know everything was going to be okay. They were back there praying, and Ming goes somewhere else, uh, takes the boy to another location, and unfortunately, he did kill the, to kill the young boy. Just a case of, for that young man, wrong place, wrong time. I don't have his name. If you're interested, you would have to go ahead and look the case up. I highly recommend you do or check out the Lifetime movie called Abducted. But, uh, yeah, he, he, he killed that young man. Um, so what ended up happening was, of course, eventually both the young man's parents contact the police and Mary's husband contacts the police. Now, Mary's husband called doesn't really get much attention at first because the police are looking at her like, well, you know, she might have just left you. Did you ever think about that? You know, police are fucking assholes. So he called and telling them his wife and daughter is missing. They like, well, do you think maybe she just left you? You know, when the last time y'all had sex? You know, did you put it down right? Was she moaning or what? So, you know, they assholes. They, they don't even think she really, she really missing. But the little boy is missing. So they put out an APB. They're they looking for this little boy. They take that very seriously, thank God. Um, and eventually, um, day, hours turns into days. Days turn into weeks. Weeks turn into a couple months. Mary was missing for seven weeks. The little boy was missing as well. They never found anything about him. Uh, somebody did, actually his little friend did tell the police what happened, but they weren't really able to connect the dots from that. Um, so anyway, Ming actually keeps Mary and her daughter locked up for seven weeks. During that seven week time period, he tortured them. He didn't, well, he didn't really just torture them. It was torture inside of a closet. And let me tell you something about this nigga Ming. He was actually enraged when he realized that Miss Mary didn't remember him. Now, mind you, it's been like 10 years at this point since he graduated high school, since he was in her class, since they've seen each other. He never really was truly remarkable in the first place. So she, she never really too much noticed him when he was in school. So he like, you know, you don't remember me? And she like, why are you doing this? Who are you? And he's like, he gets pissed. He getting pissed because she don't remember who he is. That's what I'm, that's why I'm telling you. When somebody tell you that y'all being together is fake, that motherfucker is crazy. They got some screws loose. This nigga thought that she was going to remember him, thought that she had been thinking about him for 10 years, just like he had been thinking about her. Mind you, this is somebody he set up and stalked. Mind you, this is a woman that's married and has a kid, so she's not thought about your ass one time since the last day of school that she saw you. Uh, so anyway, uh, Ming makes her, well, I'm not even going to say makes her have sex with him. He rapes her. He rapes her several times. Um, thank goodness that he didn't do anything you know, like that to the daughter. Uh, he just kept her at a distance or kept her in a van. He, he you know, kept her under bad circumstances because he would leave her in a hot van sometimes or you know locked up in the closet but he didn't do anything to her uh Ming in his mind he felt that after a while Mary would get accustomed to it she would fall in love with him 
and that they would be a family. Yeah, that's what he thought. He genuinely thought that. So, like, he would start letting them have dinner with him. He'll start letting them have breakfast with him. He'll start trying to take them places. Like, he took them on the 4th of July to the fireworks and basically told her, you know, if you try to get help, if you try to scream, if you try to get anybody's attention, I'm going to kill them, and I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to kill myself. So, you know, when somebody give you those kind of options, you pretty much going to do what they tell you to do. Especially when your kid is involved. I don't have kids, so I can only imagine. But most people say that you love your child more than you love yourself. So, you know, while most of us would probably take that risk under those circumstances and still try to get help, when you got your kid to think about, it's not quite a risk you're so willing to take, I'm sure. Anyways... They go to the 4th of July show, they go see the fireworks. She sees multiple police officers, but she's so scared because of this threat that he gave her, she says nothing. So he's getting more and more comfortable. At this point, he's thinking that he's starting to win her over. It's been times, now what I will say that I skipped over a part, uh, he did actually let the little girl call her father. Now mind you, the police and everything still looking for these people. He let the little girl call her father on Father's Day and told him that she was okay and that they might be home soon. So, of course, as a father, he still, you know, I can only imagine the type of stress that he probably felt. You know, I can only imagine the sleepless nights, just the anxiety of hearing her voice probably made him feel better to know that she's still alive, but to just not know where she is, who has her, who she's around, what she's seen, what she's experiencing, that has to drive any parent insane. Any you know, any any parent that gives a damn at least. Uh, so anyway, eventually Mary, she 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 been praying, she been just just knowing that God is gonna get her out this situation. Now mind you, whole time Mink's little brother, Ming's little brother, lived downstairs. So it's times Ming's still going to work and everything. This motherfucker has people, a woman and her child, locked in his closet all day, and he's still going to work. So his little brother is actually downstairs, and Mary is trying to, like, get his attention. But because of the relationship between him and Ming, he never even thought. He, he thinking Ming got a girlfriend or something. He thinking he never thought to just go up there and see what the hell was going on. So with that being said, I just say, man, check on your people. Your, your, your brother, your cousin, your sister, who you think is weird and strange and a little, uh, you know, removed, antisocial, check on them. Because they might have somebody locked in their fucking closet. Uh, now, eventually, Mary is just like, I got to get the hell out of here. So, uh, you know, like I said, she's been praying. God finally directs her eyes to the clock, the door. The door has like a little nail thing she can pull out. Whatever the case is, she takes the door off the hinges. Take the whole fucking door off the hinges. Her daughter freaking out. Her daughter's scared as hell because her daughter has been conditioned at this point to accept the situation. Her daughter is like, mama, put that door back on the hinges. When he come home, he's going to be mad. Mama, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Mama like, no, baby, we getting out of here today. We getting out of here today. So... What Ming didn't know was at one point when he had Mary and her daughter in the car, she found a receipt to the cleaners that had his address on it. 
and she memorized the address. So as soon as she got out the closet, she called the police, told them where she was at, told them who she was. She went ahead in the bushes. The police pull up in five minutes flat. Thank God they was on their shit that day. They pull up in five minutes flat. Mary and her daughter is rescued. Now, uh, Ming, he got arrested immediately. He's still in prison to this day. Now, you know what, that it didn't happen recently. That had to have happened in the 80s because I know that he had an appeal not too long ago. And Mary's daughter, who was now in her 30s, basically said, you know, she still got PTSD from that shit. That shit happened when she was like eight or nine years old. And that woman to this day is still suffering from the, the effects of that. So that's a really interesting story, y'all. Look into that. Look it up. Uh, crime Junkies, My Favorite Murder, once again, Morbid, All the True Crime Podcast. Lifetime made a movie called Abducted. Very good story. And just, I love, like I said, I love true crime podcasts. If y'all just want to hear me talk about some of them, stay tuned in. Uh, you don't have to go listen to them if you don't want to. But like I said, if you want the real deal, all the details, go listen to those. Go do your Googles. Do your research. Next segment is coming up in about two minutes. We're going to take us a quick little break right quick, and I'll be right back. All right, what's up, y'all? This is your girl, Shantae. I'm back at it again. Uh, this is the, I don't forgot the name. This is the Black Podcast Show. Now, let me explain something to y'all. I've already done the Black Motivational Podcast. I've already done the Black True Crime Podcast. The only black podcast on the internet hosted by me. Where else, like I said at the beginning of this, where else are y'all going to get four podcasts wrapped into one? You came here to listen to about an hour of content. I don't know if you're on your way to work. I don't know if you at work. I don't know if you at home cleaning up. I don't know what you're doing. Let me explain something. I don't give a damn. You came here to listen to me talk. And you get to hear four different podcasts at one time. You ain't got to click next. You ain't got to click fast forward. You ain't got to click nothing. You just got to keep on listening. You are so lucky. And I'm so lucky. So we both lucky. Let me go ahead and get into the next segment. I'm about to get real crazy with some listener letters. Now, unfortunately, because this is my first episode, I don't have no listeners besides you. So when you got something going on in your life, you need to go ahead and send me an email. You need to hit me up on Facebook and let me know. My Facebook is Shantae Yarbrough. If you are watching this, if you're listening to this, you probably already got me on Facebook. That's the best way to reach me. Hit me up on Facebook. Send me your letters. All anonymity will be protected. And uh, I got good advice. Let me explain something else to you. I'm right. You're wrong deal with it so whatever you going through I got the answers I'm always right just about everything when I am wrong I acknowledge that and when you acknowledge your wrongs and acknowledge that you don't know everything you know somehow it all balances out and you still end up being right anyway what I'm gonna do is read some letters from other people on the internet the first listener letter i'm gonna do is from the savage love cast uh <clears throat> oh it's from savage love it's the, the 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 blog of dan savage i love the savage love cast i don't know if y'all listen to that it's one of the podcasts that got me into listening to podcasts so check that out 
All right, so the title of this letter is Savage Love Letter of the Day. Do I tell his best friend slash ex to fuck right off? Hmm. Let's see. My boyfriend of eight months is going on a trip of a lifetime over spring break. It was booked and planned before we got together and consists of a group of friends. He just told me one of his ex-girlfriends, whom he broke up with right before we started dating, is going on the trip. They have been friends their entire lives as their parents are best friends. They dated a year and a half in total after he ended a marriage of 25 years. Things are going really well and I want to give him the benefit of the doubt here. He was at least open enough to tell me. Some of my friends think this is a deal breaker, but I really don't want to judge him before the trip even happens. It's one of those things where deposits would be lost and it's on his bucket list. And it says, uh, it's, it's signed, What Would Dan Do? Like I said, this is from Dan Savage's Savage Love blog. So last thing she says is, I uh, don't want to judge him before the trip even happens. It's one of those things where deposits would be lost, and it's on his bucket list. I mean, come on. It's on his bucket list. Uh, do I tell his best friend X to fuck right off? Absolutely not. Ma'am. Actually, I don't know if you're a woman. Person, absolutely not. You need to mind your business. Why are you? Why would you ever even speak to this woman? I'm so confused. You said, do I tell his friend X to fuck right off? Why would you tell her that? You're telling her because she's going on this trip? My question is, are you wanting to reach out to this woman and tell her to stop being friends with your boyfriend. And you said that this trip was planned before you and him even started dating, which means that y'all haven't even been dating that long. Ma'am, you have no right to anything to even speak on friendships, situations, who he's around. I ain't even gonna say all that, but no, you don't have the right to approach this lady. Now, should you tell your boyfriend? Can you tell your boyfriend to tell her to fuck off? Sure. Sure. Uh, now, this letter is from a couple years ago, so my guess is y'all probably not even together no more because you strike me as type person who be worried about the wrong shit all the time, and that would get on my nerves. And he seemed like type person that like to have fun, easy going, go with the flow. And I, I, I don't really see that sound like oil and vinegar. Y'all don't mix. He cool. You you be on that bullshit. Talking about shit I... And then you didn't even say that in the letter. You ain't even mention actually approaching her in the letter. So you probably know she probably could fight. Y'all sound old, actually, because you said he was with somebody for 25. So this nigga just jumping from relationship to relationship. His motherfucking ass need to be single. That's my advice to him. He, he should have been one writing in talking about... They dated a year and a half in total after ending, after he ended a marriage of 25 years. So he was married, dated her, his quote unquote best friend from his whole life, then broke up with her right before he got with you. Now he going on a trip with her. Nah, he, let's call him Tyler, cause he act, I, he sound like a Tyler. Tyler been fucking Stacy, she sound like a Stacy, whole, they whole life. For whatever reason, they never got together. You know how people do when they got them unbreakable bonds, 
when they've been friends since they was kids, but for some reason, the relationship part don't ever work. But it's always a little something right there. I don't do that. Uh-uh. I don't do none of that. And that lifetime best friend, no, nah, nah, I ain't with none of that. So that's probably why his marriage ended, if you ask me. 25, why, why else would somebody end a marriage of 25 years? And he got this friend who he been friends with the whole time. She been there through everything, huh? She just been right there. You ain't even say, is she dating somebody else? And like I said, you ain't even really, you said in the title, you must have been mad when you wrote the title talking about do I tell his best friend slash ex to fuck right off. And then you get to talking about some whole other shit in the letter. You ain't say nothing about telling her to fuck off in the letter because you know she probably a mollywop your ass. But anyway, he was at least... He was at least open enough to tell me. Duh. I'm assuming y'all got Facebook. Y'all not that old. So y'all might got a blog, I don't know. You was gonna see the pictures. That's why he told you. That's the only reason he told you. He wasn't open enough, he had to tell you because you was gonna find out anyways. And like I said, if this trip was planned before he even met you, what what you gonna do? Break up with him? He don't care. He got Stacy. Tyler do not care if you break up with him. He got Stacy no matter what. I don't know why him and Stacy ain't together, why they playing these type of games, but you need to just remove yourself from the whole situation. I agree with your friends. You said some of my friends think this is a deal breaker, but I really don't want to judge him before the trip even happens. That's another thing. People gotta stop saying that. Oh, uh, people always talking about judging. I don't want to judge somebody. Facts is facts. Logic is logic. This man is going on a romantic getaway with his ex-girlfriend. That's a fact. So, if you want to sit at home and be looking on his Facebook and seeing them having the time of their life while you still going to work every day and while you ain't got anxiety about what the hell going on, while you sitting at home not judging him, then you do that. But that motherfucker, he already done did all this. Like I said, this letter is a couple years old. So Tyler done broke up with you. Him and Stacy is together. I'm sure they, they jet setting all across the whole world by this point. And hopefully you found somebody new, somebody that don't have female friends and don't have friends that they exes with. But knowing you, you probably don't really found something else to worry about. Because you seem like the type of person that want to just find something to worry about but don't really want no solution. Because you're talking about... You talking about, I don't want to judge him before the trip even happened. Okay, let me let me just point out a couple things why I, I don't really just like you as a person, whoever you is. First of all, I'm just stuck on this, do I tell his best friend slash ex to fuck right off? I, 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 would, I didn't really know what to expect from that title. I didn't expect this, though. Then you say, your boyfriend is going on a trip of a lifetime. A trip of a lifetime, your boyfriend of eight months. He planned this before y'all even got together. So this trip been planned, I'm going to say probably by the year they planned it. If y'all been dating eight months, I don't even know how long y'all have known each other. I'm guessing y'all started dating pretty soon right after y'all met. So he just told you one of his ex-girlfriends who he broke up with right before y'all started dating is going, he just told you. He just told you about this whole trip that he's been planning for the past year 
and just told you his ex-girlfriend going. You know why he didn't tell you? Because he knew the whole time you would have got on his fucking nerves about it. Because now you're saying things are going really well and I want to give him the benefit of the doubt here. But hold on. I'm going to stop you right there and go back to the top, go back to your title. Do I tell his best friend slash ex to fuck off? Where is that energy coming from? Because the energy don't even match the letter. You ain't said nothing about telling her to fuck off. So to me, you, you, you confused. You are like probably a pick me. You the type of female that'll just do anything to keep her man. So, and you, like I said, you really be worried about the wrong shit. Talking about tell her to fuck off. You weren't gonna never do that. So, yeah, hopefully you found somebody that you could deal with that don't go on trips and have fun because, you, I don't know, you tripping. But uh, you talking about this on his bucket list. I don't give a damn what bucket list it's on. If you, if you mind, you ain't going on no trips with your ex. That's point blank period. Soon as you do that, it's over. I don't give a fuck when y'all start playing. It's over. We done. Have fun. Anyway, uh, Dan, what did Dan say? I don't know if I should read his answer. But, oh, Dan basically said she was tripping. She should let him go. And they going to get past it and whatever, Dan. You got it wrong on this one. This hoe was tripping, but he ain't need to go on no trip with his ex. They've been together eight months. Yeah, that's not that long, but if you want to go on a romantic excursion with your ex, y'all shouldn't have broke up, and you got too much going on. You just was married for 25 years. You don't know what you want to do. You need to be single for a little while. Find yourself. Do some yoga or something. All right, so the next letter I'm going to read is actually a Reddit thread. Now, if anybody is familiar with the Reddit A-I-T-A-M-I, the asshole, they are hilarious. If ever one day you at home bored, if you're listening to this right now and you're still bored, type on Google Reddit, best Reddit A-I-T-A, and I promise you will get a laugh. You will at least see some interesting shit. I, I just sometimes get caught up in this little Reddit wormhole for a little while, and I go crazy. All right, so let me go ahead. This one says, Am I the asshole for telling this girl that she's not a parent if she's had a miscarriage but not a kid? Whew. Now, this one, I can already tell this is going to be controversial. This is going to be polarizing. So when y'all listening to this, don't start tripping. All right. I probably sound like an asshole, but hear me out. I'm an admin of a local Facebook group for parent meetups and kid activities. People have to answer how old their kids are and what neighborhood they live in before they can join the group. Parentheses, it's for parents with children of any age. We just have to make sure they have children. Close parentheses. A girl tries to join the group and says she has one angel baby. There are plenty of moms and dads in the group who have lost children and we welcome them, but then I look on this girl's profile and it looks like she had a miscarriage when she was seven weeks pregnant and has no other children. I get that that's very traumatic and sad, but she's not a parent. It'd be one thing if she had a born child that died, then we'd let her in, but a miscarriage and no other kids doesn't count as being a parent. I didn't say that to her though, just declined the request and moved on. A few days later, she tried to join again and I declined her once again. Then this morning, she tried again and I just blocked her from the group. 
Then I get a message from her asking why she hasn't been added. Not wanting to be rude, I asked if she had children. She said yes. I asked how old. She said he died when he was seven weeks old. I played dumb a little and said, oh, I'm so sorry. That must have been so tough. I know people who have lost their infants too, and it's all absolutely heartbreaking. She replies, well, I was seven weeks pregnant, but it still counts because life begins at conception. Then I asked if she had any other children. She said no, so I told her she probably wouldn't be interested in our group because it's for parents to meet up and have playdates and such. Then she said, I am a parent. My child died. And I said I was sorry, but I had to respectfully disagree that a miscarriage with no other children counts as being a parent, but that I could direct her to some pregnancy loss support groups that sometimes do meetups if she was interested in that. She went off on me and said, how dare I tell her that she's not a mom. She carried that baby inside of her for seven weeks, not technically true, but whatever. And she loved that baby as much as she'd have loved it if it had been born. And start spouting off all these pro-life statements, and I'm not here to debate abortion or anything, but I don't think I was wrong in telling her she's not a parent. And she can't join a parenting group if she doesn't have a child, living or dead. The child simply never came to exist outside of her room. Her womb. I'm sure she has some issues stemming from her miscarriage, and of course that's a very traumatic thing to have happen, but I still don't think that makes her a parent, question mark. And I tried to be nice. It's not like I reached out to her to tell her she's not a parent. She messaged me. So am I the asshole? I need to take a sip of water on that one. <coughs> now, I'm sure <coughs> that no matter how I answer this question, someone is going to be dissatisfied. Um, but I'm going to say this. No, I do not think he's the asshole for, letting her, for not letting her in the group. I'm anxious to hear other people's opinions, but for me, I have to agree. Uh, that woman is not a parent. I agree that having an abortion, or excuse me, a miscarriage is extremely traumatic. I'm sure, I, I know, you know, I have friends that have had miscarriages. I'm sure that, you know, her emotions from that have never gone back to being stable. I'm sure that she's still suffering mental anguish, you know what I mean, from having endured that miscarriage. I don't think that joining a parent meetup group is going to help that situation. I'm not a psychologist. I don't know shit, but in my opinion, I don't think that her joining a parent meetup group that's intended for parents and children to meet up together, I don't, I don't even see the purpose in that. And the fact of the matter is, to join the group, one of the requirements is that you have a child. You know, regardless of why or how she doesn't have the child anymore, she does not have a child. Um, the child was actually never 
in her actual outside the womb possession. So while I can certainly respect and empathize and send all kind of condolences and positive energy her way, I can understand this guy saying, you know, hey, this is not the group for you. And I can understand some people saying, you know, hey, it's just a fucking Facebook group. Let her in the group. You know, she wants to join the group. Maybe that'll help her healing. I can understand some people saying that, but, you know, we got to get back to the point of understanding that rules are rules. Not even rules are rules, but standards are standards. If the standard to be in this group is you got to have a child, once again, regardless of what the circumstance was that you don't have a child up under, you can't get in this group. It's, it's a no. But hey, I do know of some really great and helpful groups for you. I know of a child loss support group. You know, this group is for parents and children to meet each other, to, to, for children to have play dates with each other. You know, you're, you can't, you, you can't, you don't have the ability to schedule any play dates with other children. And it could be one of those situations, unfortunately, and I say this once again with all due respect and sympathy, we watch Law and Order. We done seen, you know, unfortunately, people go through a miscarriage and go crazy. We done seen a woman have to, you know, give up her baby for whatever reason and then decide that, or, you know, we done seen, matter of fact, unfortunately, a, a, a child get, something happened to the child in a car accident or something like that, and then a, a mom go crazy and try to kidnap another baby that looked like her kid and all type of crazy shit like that. Once again, I sympathize with those people that have gone through that, that have that in their heads where, you know, they're going through emotional turmoil once again. But something like that could easily happen with, with us letting you in that group and to avoid all that, no. You know, is she a parent? That's up for debate. That's the question. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that with a stick. Do I want to know what you guys think? If you're listening to this, absolutely. I am, I have a thirst, an unquenchable thirst for your opinion. I want to know what you think so bad. Do you, is she a parent? This woman got pregnant, had an untimely and unfortunate miscarriage at seven weeks. Does that make her a parent? Is she, are you a parent at conception? As soon as that sperm fertilized, that egg and that zygote is formed, are you a parent right then? Or are you seven weeks ain't enough? What do y'all think? Y'all got to tell me what y'all think. Do I think he was an asshole for not letting her in the group? No, but I can see how somebody would say he's an asshole. It's a fucking Facebook group. Let her in it. But so many things can happen from letting somebody that does not have a child into a group where parents are meeting up with other parents for their children to interact. So, you know, I can understand where he's coming from. With now, once again, the question that I don't, I don't have the answer to is... Is she a parent? Does having 
does being pregnant make you a parent, regardless of whether you carry the baby to term or not, regardless of whether you actually give birth or not? Is she a parent at seven weeks pregnant? Lost the baby at seven weeks. Does, is she still a parent? Yes or no? I need to know. I need to know y'all. Oh, I need to know. I need to know so bad. I want to know. Um, so that's our listener letter segment. I'm going to leave y'all on that cliffhanger, that question, that, that like I said, I'm thirsty to know. Y'all hit me up on Facebook, Shantae Yarbrough. That's Shantae with a C, C-H-A-N-T-E-Y-A-R-B-R-O-U-G-H. If you're listening to this, you probably already got me on there. But if not, hit me up. Hit that add friend button. I got like 3,000 friends, but uh, I need some more. I need some interaction on my page. So let me know, is she a parent or not? And uh, we got the next segment coming soon.